The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Body and emotions in kind of co-centric rings, the breath being in the center, as Tanya mentioned last week, kind of the most focused object, opening the attention up a little bit to everything that's happening in the body, especially sensations, and then to emotions last week. And I'm just going to give a very quick overview of what we covered so far to kind of ground us before we start this week's instructions. So the first week we covered what is mindfulness meditation, which is being with our direct experience rather than thinking about it, being with experience as it's unfolding, intimacy with our lives. It's watching and observing with awareness, like a naturalist might observe the environment, all the interconnections between it. As um, Tanya mentioned that first week, this cultivates the capacity for choice rather than reaction. Another really important theme we've been returning to time and time again is this idea of relationship with what is arising. How are we relating to what is arising? What is the internal posture inner posture or attitude towards experience. And recognizing this is greatly facilitated by anchoring our attention in what is here and now, the breath, the body. Those are always here. They're always now. So the first two weeks, then, we did focus on breath and body, the breath being the often preferred object of attention or anchor, tether, and that it helps to build focus because it's changing, it's dynamic, and for most people, it's pretty neutral, right? For some people, the breath doesn't work, and that's okay. The two simplest alternatives, if you're finding that's true for you, is to notice what's happening overall in your body, sensations, or to notice hearing, sounds. And that brings us to body. Our bodies have a kind of intelligence. Our systems have a kind of intelligence. And it can be helpful to think of it as three centers of intelligence. There's the head, which in this culture we often associate with intelligence. But there's also the heart, and the gut. And neuroscience bears this out. There are actual neuron cells, basal ganglia, around our hearts, in the center of our chest, and in our bellies. So we really are getting information that's moving both directions. The vagus nerve is kind of the pathway And it's worth noting that the intelligence of the body, the intelligence of the heart, they operate kind of on a different timeline. And it's really helpful to begin to tune in and listen. And that listening is a skill. Sensations are the language that the body and heart communicate. Feelings 
or the language of the heart, emotions, right? So, the experience of sensations or emotions can increase or decrease based on the ways we relate to it. Resisting or being angry or reactive to pain, for example, can make it much worse. Being kind and compassionate towards sadness can help to transform it. So the principle applies of like how we relate to the experience is key. Last week we covered emotions, and they can range from the absolutely sublime to the downright awful, right? Emotions are ways that our minds, our hearts, interpret or encode our experience. They're kind of their own form of communication. And while they're happening in the present, they can either be based on what happens in the present, or they can be triggered by reacting to something very innocent in the present that is actually um, carrying an overlay of the past. So emotions can be, as Tanya said earlier in this course, tricky to work with because they feel very authoritative, but they're not always responding to what's happening in the moment accurately. So it can be as simple, someone can say something perfectly innocent to me, but if it sounds like something the bully in seventh grade said, I'm off, right? I might not recognize that this is, that that deeper part of me, my limbic system, might not recognize that this is now and that was then. It's still in a reactive mode. Seen early, emotions don't have to escalate. As we talked about last week, they kind of have like a 90-second half-life process, as long as we don't interfere or interact with them. Emotions fuel thinking, and thinking fuels emotions. So last week's topic and this week's topic, thinking, are very closely related. They're like symbiotic species in the same forest. They just, they're constantly in interaction. So the topic of thinking is very close to the topic of emotions and how we relate to our thinking. How we relate to it is very close to how we relate to reality itself. And mindfulness, mindful awareness, can, can help us transform this relationship to a relationship of choice, awareness, and wisdom. And Tanya will talk more about this relationship and how we begin to shift it in a few minutes. First, though, we're going to take questions from the past week or anything earlier that we've covered. And before we start, I'll just give a very quick tutorial on um, using the microphone. So these mics, um, they kind of, they pick up sound out the top. So it's really helpful to hold them like this. Um, the classic construction is like you're going to eat an ice cream cone. So very close to your mask. 
If you need to turn it on, there's this black on black button here. You just press it for a couple of seconds and the light will turn green and then it'll be ready. And we ask that you pass it softly if you can. If you want to turn it off between people, you can, but it's not necessary. So, anybody have questions? Oh, yes. And, yeah, since we're a fairly small group tonight, if the mic is far away, it would be great to help pass it to someone or help them get to it if you're closer to it than they are. So, since we've got one there, I'm going to put one over here. And um, we would love to hear any questions you have, comments you've had, things you've been exploring in your meditation. The floor is open. Even questions about what I just said. Great. And if you could please, um, when you're about to speak, give your name. Hello. Good evening. Um, uh, Anne Rose. Um, well, you just have really resonated with me in terms of the emotions and how our actions can be driven by them but that through this practice I can be more mindful of them. But then I found myself, especially today, getting caught up in something. And it was then I realized it was because I was afraid and triggered by a previous incident and just trying to prevent anything from escalating. And then I and then I wasn't mindful of my actions and how I spoke to other people and that was like the whole purpose of like my meditation journey just mindful of how of my interactions and just how I talk to myself and others and it's just so easy to go to go back I mean the other day I was just like oh this is really working and then today I got caught up I had you know I I, I was uh, unanchored, or what, and I got swept away again. And I just having the compassion, talking to myself, like talking myself through it, without feeling like it's a hokey thing. Like it's okay, Anne Rose, but without, I don't want it to be kind of like a cop out to like, oh, you messed up. But it's okay. No, I, I want to like, well, you can do, do it differently next time. And I just, there is a balance, at least for me in my internal dialogue. And thank you for listening. What a beautiful sharing. I really, I love what you just said and how even in the triggering, it sounds like there was still mindfulness present. Right? The way you're describing it, I'm like, oh, I need to be mindful about how I'm speaking because these emotions have come up. Yeah, I guess I was trying to. And in that, because I've, I was mindful of the fact that I was angry, I, I, right. I was angry about that. And I sometimes, in the effort of not trying, it's just that I just don't, I'm just trying to figure out that balance, but I—I I, if that makes sense, knowing and acknowledging 
whatever it is that I'm doing and if it's not how it's not the best response it's just but yeah and Rose I think um, one thing that's important is uh, it sounds really important to acknowledge your own anger and not to try and make your anger just go away that there's a reason you're angry right and yes. so um, we don't want to kind of bypass stuffing by stuffing or denying. And so sometimes if I'm feeling angry and I know it's, I need to be with it, I, just, I actually try not to say or do anything. I try and wait. Um, because if in the moment when I'm feeling that, if I'm trying to act like something's different, it, there's a disconnect or something. And maybe I need more time to process what I'm feeling, what I'm angry about, what it was that I need, you know. I need to talk through it. And sometimes we don't have the luxury. It's like we just have to respond right then. And then we can just, sometimes I'll just say, I'm, I'm just angry. I just need to name that I'm triggered. I'm angry right now and I'm trying to be reasonable. But, um, you know, this, these feelings are up. I'm not mad at you or it's you know I'm not bl- trying to blame you or whatever it is that's honest and real I just wow I'm having a lot of feelings thank you uh, hi I'm Varun um, I have a question about what you just said Tanya so sure. I've been trying to like you know, stay with my emotions more, like anger, sadness, to process them. But sometimes I wonder, okay, like when is the re- when have I pro- processed it enough, and I'm just staying in a bad mood for no reason? So how, how do you know, kind of? That's a great d- question. Yeah. yeah. Last week um, we taught a practice called raft, so you might want to listen to that because I won't be able to. Um, you know, tell you all about it, but it, it helps you walk through when you're feeling and break apart things a little bit, like recognize how you're feeling, what's going on, accept that that's what happened is happening because it's like, well, you know, we may not want to be sick, but we're sick. So we need to accept that we're sick so we can make decisions, right? So same thing with emotions. And then the next part of the practice is to feel it in the body because um, here you know, there's this dynamic between our thinking and the emotions. The thinking we trigger the feelings, and so this this part of the practice we're really directing just toward the true felt sense: hot, pressing, pounding, sinking, whatever it is, kind of in that way, and try and be with that a little bit, and then the the there's two T's in my raft. <laughs> and the first T is kind of like um, T's apart, all the different parts. Oh, this is the feeling. This is this situation. This is my memory of another situation. This is my value that's being violated. This is their value. This is um, the, the, circum- the, the, the culture I'm living in or working in or the job expectations there's all these different parts that are coming together and fueling what's happening for me emotionally so i try and we tease that apart and then we can start to look at each piece individually because as a cluster it has a lot 
it's a lot harder to work with it. And then in this practice, the next part would be kind of to find a, a, some, a spot to rest in, like trust, what can I trust about what's happening here, myself, my capacity, breathing, time will help. Trying to help yourself kind of let go of the busyness of the practice. Um, is that feel like giving you something that you could think about doing with your emotions in a different way? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's super helpful. Thank you. Great. So last week in the class, which is you can find, you know, um, and listen to it and and see the more and go through a guided practice on it. Yeah, yeah. So that you know, there is this real kind of idea that we need to sit with our feelings, but very often we're refueling them or actually making them worse <laughs> the way that we're talking to ourselves about the story and and you know sort of what we're saying to ourselves about ourselves or others we just end up kind of making it worse and worse if we just stay in the thinking mind so um and you know what's true about like an anger is that underneath it it's usually coming from something that we're afraid of or that we've been hurt by. So often emotions are, you know, there's, they're stacking on top of each other. There's the first emotion and then there's a reaction to the emotion or, you know, so sometimes we also need to say, well, what's underneath this, you know? Um, and sometimes we just need to kind of chill out and just let it, you know, distract ourselves and, and kind of let it relax. And then it's like, have you ever had that happen where you like, and then you come back later and you're like, why was I so upset? I don't really even remember why. I don't know why I got so upset, right? It was maybe just, you know, an accumulation of stress and situations that just you got overwhelmed by. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks for the question. I don't know. Uh, is the green light on? It is now. Yes. Great. Hi, everyone. Uh, name is Brian. Yeah, I was just asking how, like, is there any technique that I could use if, like, my feeling is so intense that I feel like if I sit with it any longer, I'm just going to freak out? Did you want to answer, Don? I'm happy to start, and I would also love to hear what you have to say about that. So um, when I first came to this practice, I had a lot of anxiety. So I can really relate to your question. Thank you for asking it. Honestly, something Tanya mentioned a few minutes ago is really helpful, which is if it starts to get overwhelming, distraction is a completely valid way of relating to it. So if you're trying, for example, through the raft process, if, if you're trying to you know, recognize and tease apart and everything in between, and it's just mounting, that's a good time to, if you're meditating and you can keep meditating, shift to a different object, go to sound, go to the body, go to the breath isn't always helpful if the panic attack is coming, feet and hands, open your eyes, 
And also, um, it's okay to shift entirely. Like, so when you're sitting with it, is it? Describe how you're being with it when the anxiety starts to build. It's almost like, um, like a fight. Mm. You know, like one layer and then another layer and then another layer, and it's like. Oh man, it's getting to be a little too much, and then okay. I'm just like, it's the whole like thinking, right? And I think, okay, this is not good, right. and then that just makes it worse. Yes, good recognizing, very good recognizing. You're recognizing that feedback loop, that cycle, right? So what we resist persists, right? We're adding fuel to the fire by resisting it. So one thing that really helps for me is to take a step back. And notice the judgment. This is not good. Okay, all right. And be with that. Like you can always take another step back, and be with. But the emotion itself might not be the best place to be. And this area of your body tends to be where our emotions live, and that's not the most helpful place if you're going into a fear spiral, an anxiety attack. So um, I find looking at the attitude, the contention, that inner fight itself is something to notice and be gentle and kind with. Tanya, I'm sure you have something wise to add here. I, I'm, I'm um, truthfully trying to figure out how I'm going <laughs> to adjust my time. So it's a little bit hard for me to access a response right now, okay. just like... Um, but I think the, my main thing that I would want to say to you, Brian, is to honor what you feel like is your capacity. If you feel like it's too much, then say, okay, right now this feels like too much, so I'm going to do something different. It's okay. That's part of me listening to what, what I can take, you know, and, um, especially when we find our minds are in these really active kind of they're just not you can move that chair yeah 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 please um you know when the mind is so kind of intense and demanding and has that kind of momentum it's better just to not try and argue with it and just go do the dishes you know like go do something different, but do it mindfully. You know, and um, and it's like it's not a problem. You're just going to honor the conditions. It's like you want to go outside and for a walk, but it's pouring down rain. So you know, either it's a good idea or it's not a good idea, or you have a or the rain jacket or you don't, and you you make your choice depending on the conditions, right? If you're sick and it's raining, maybe it's not a good idea to go for a walk. Does that make sense? Okay. So I do want to tell you about thinking. Shall we shift? Is it okay? All right. So I want to do something um, for you know to introduce this topic. I want to invite you, if you want to, this is an invitation, to kind of close your eyes and do an imaginary. I'm going to an imagination thing with you. 
And if you don't want your eyes closed, just gaze or do whatever you want. And if you don't like what I'm saying, don't pay attention. Okay? It's okay. So I'd like you to imagine that you're, you know, oh, let's say you're three years old. And um, somebody, maybe even your teacher, is reading a book. And the name of this book is You Are Not Your Thoughts. What? (laughs) And you get to look at this picture book, and it says, Thoughts come and go. They never last long. One minute they're here, the next they're gone. When you look up at the clouds in the skies of blue, try to see the whole sky as the clouds pass through. The clouds are like thoughts. The sky is like you. Now, fast forward to you're eight years old, and you're on the playground, or you're in a class, and something happens, and you have a thought like, I'm stupid, or nobody likes me. And you remember, oh, first you react, and then you remember, you know, I'm not my thoughts. I'm not stupid because I'm having this thought. I'm not unlikable because I'm having this thought. This is just a thought, and it will come and go like the clouds in the sky. And imagine this in another situation where you had a thought, and you realize, oh, it's just a thought. Imagine you've been able to practice this your whole life. And what would it be like to be here now? How would you have a different relationship with thinking if you'd been read this story many times? And when you're ready, you can just open your eyes. And do you think it might have made a difference for you? If you've been taught, you are not your thoughts. No? Yes? Maybe? Yeah. Okay. So thoughts are one part, one part, but we tend to really give a lot of weight to our thinking. It's a, we identify so much with our thoughts. So it's a, it's a sticky place. It's a very sticky place for us to start to work on being mindful. Mindful of thinking. So this idea, this remembering, when we're having meditations and we're thinking, it can be very helpful to remind ourselves, oh, I didn't ask my mind to have that thought. Right? I have thoughts that I feel good about and I have thoughts I don't feel good about. They can be about the same thing and be very different. Clearly, I'm not my thought, right? Thoughts are part of our narrative. They're part of how we make sense of life. 
And often they're also conditioned by what we've been taught, different values or beliefs or um, things that we've been told. Our thoughts also come from what other people tell us. They're not necessarily even, you know, something we would choose to have be our, our thinking process. Over time, that changes. So this idea of kind of being a little less attached to them, like letting them be those clouds that come through the sky, right? That as you're meditating, working on sitting back and opening up, and just, okay, there's a thought. I don't have to change it. I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to disagree with it. But literally to create some space between the thinking and the awareness. Does that make sense? Another way to put this is that as you're meditating, thinking is going to be happening, right? We don't get to have that on-off switch, thinking, not thinking, right? So when you're meditating, uh, you can let thoughts be in the background instead of in the foreground. So choosing to keep your attention more closely focused on the breathing or sensations or sound and letting the thoughts be kind of what we give, you know, we just know they're there. Kind of more like we know the train sound is there, but we're not giving our most of our attention to it. Kind of like that. Another way to help yourself if you're having really sticky thinking is to ask yourself, what am I feeling in my body right now? Sort of helping you kind of get out of the dream or mini-movie of the thinking and helping you connect yourself to the direct experience in the moment. Our mind works to kind of weave together all the things that are happening at once to create a cohesive experience for us. So that means the emotions, the thoughts, the sensations in the body, the sounds, the plans, the what people are doing. There's a lot that gets kind of, kind of woven together in our mind. So part of what we're doing tonight, you know, is unraveling the thinking from the rest of the experience right now trying to let thoughts be something that we pay attention to in a different way. Remembering they come and go. Remembering they're not who we are. And um, let's see. Another, what we'll do in our meditation, this first meditation is to notice the different kinds of thinking. So thoughts, um, maybe let's right now just close your eyes and just sit and just notice, what can you notice about what, what's happening in your mind about thinking? How are you thinking? Are you hearing a dialogue? Are you seeing words? Are you seeing images? Are the images moving? Are the images like a movie? 
What can you notice about how your mind thinks? How did your mind think about hearing a train? How do you know you're hearing a train? And can anyone say anything about how their mind thinks? Let's just move right into the meditation. You guys are all nicely settled. So just being aware. Yep. Adjust your posture. That's right. Take a moment, get your feet grounded, upright, maybe lift the shoulders, roll them back. Feel into your breathing, just take three, a three breath journey, really letting yourself become intimate with the experience of breathing. So we use this term, an anchor. And is the breath an anchor for you? Does it help you come into the present moment? Is it useful for you? If it's not, is it hearing or sensations? So whatever your anchor is, if it's not the breath, taking the equivalent of a three-breath journey with that anchor Next, we want to kind of tune into that inner attitude or the relationship or the posture, inner posture right now. Sort of invite a sense of trust. Trust in being aware and our capacity to have mindfulness. Inviting a sense of caring and kindness with ourselves and with whatever experience arises. Inviting the mind to attend to experience. And as this is a meditation time to practice with thinking, 
Just remind yourself that at any time, if you get caught up in the story of the thinking, it's okay to bring yourself back to your anchor. It's okay to recenter. That we're going to get lost in thinking. It's going to happen. It's normal. And as soon as you become aware that you're lost in thought, you're already back. And we can just savor that backness, that awareness. Rest into that. There's no need to get angry at ourselves or critical. So over and over again, we can recenter, re- reconnect with the breath or sound and help ourselves feel our body, feel embodied. Feel like, oh, I'm here. I'm right here. Just here, this, now. This breath. This sound. And when you feel some stability... You can ask, what am, how am I thinking right now? Are thinking, is thinking happening? If so, can I be aware of it? Like, for me, a lot of it is just this narrator, this inner coach or narrator kind of telling me what to do. And then as I get caught in the thought, it starts to become like more planning and thinking, seeing images. You're seeing what you can witness while feeling your feet or your hands placed together or your breath. And what am I aware of now? Are there images in the mind? Is there talking in the mind? Is there this concept, this thought that I should be having a particular experience? seeing if you can't focus more on the process, the way you're thinking, rather than the content or the story or the material. But of preferencing, noticing how the thinking is happening. 
sometimes the mind needs a lot of um, I don't know, maybe a more strong intervention like thinking, just naming thinking or naming planning or seeing and just sort of the mind is seeing for thinking. We might need to say a full sentence. Sometimes it's just the lightest little thing. It's like, oh, there's the thought. And just, it's like so soft, so subtle. So experimenting a little bit with your own mind right now and seeing how it responds to just a very light touch and then a more kind of more wordy response, more specific response. Being careful not to think about thinking, you know, in your meditation. We're trying to get to know our own minds, the way our minds work, and notice they need different things at different times. Sometimes the mind needs a lot of help bringing the awareness back to the present moment. Sometimes we can just sort of sit back and we're like, it's like laying on the grassy field and looking up at the sky and just letting the clouds move. Try being really generous with your thoughts, just allowing them space. One way to do this is to actually imagine space around the thinking. Like a small, tight room can be what, you know, we're in this thought, small and tight, and then imagine the room gets really big and there's all this space around the thought, other things can be there too. Thinking's nature is natural. No problem. We need to think. We just don't need to be ruled by our thinking.
And if you happen to have one of those moments where you realize, oh, I was lost in a thought, see if you can kind of notice what knew that. Wow, I'm unstuck. I'm aware I was thinking. I'm free. In the last two minutes of the meditation, I just want to invite you to try a little less hard right now. Just relax a little bit. See if you can't connect with some sense of ease. Isn't it amazing that we can think and see our thoughts and not be them sometimes? So what did you learn about your thinking tonight and how your mind is thinking? What did you notice? Great. I learned that I'm afraid of negative thoughts. Mm, wow, what a powerful thing to to recognize. How did you how did you notice that? How did you learn that? 
I, I think, uh, like when you said create a space for, for thoughts, I think then it was like, I, I didn't immediately go back to my breath and I let some thoughts, but then I recognized, oh, there's some fear. And then at the end when you said try less hard, it was also like, it was kind of a signal to allow more thoughts. And then you could you noticed you that there was a fear of having negative thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the the space, like sort of trying to invite this, maybe a little bit more awareness of the thinking, gave you the capacity to see. Oh, I'm reacting to to negative thoughts. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Great. That's a good thing to know. Yeah. 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 I agree. yeah. Thank you. Anybody else willing to share what their experience of thinking was in this 15 minutes? Thank you. Um, Well, I noticed, I, I think I found that in the time that I have been meditating, the awareness has grown, but and uh like like I know that I'm thinking when I'm thinking it's just like I would tell myself, "Oh, this is the other arrow that I'm adding, but then I still do it, and it's that's what's frust or you know i I still go back to that tendency and it's just, you know, I thought, I, I was kind of conceited in that. I, I thought, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm getting this. This is good. Like, I'm finally so aware that if I'm ever going to be upset, I'm, I'm going to be beyond angry. And that was not the case today. And, and I'm like, what is this? I'm like, I thought I could maintain calm but emotions are emotions, and my emotions, I can be rather emotional, so I, but I, I do like how I'm trying to practice more, or that I am practicing more um, loving kindness and compassion with the, the, the talking to myself and the thinking. It's just sometimes I think too much, right? So... Thank you for listening. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you. Thank you, Anne Rose. I appreciate your being willing to share. And uh, you want to respond, Don? It sounds like you're really exploring this and learning a lot. Even the, oh, I thought I was beyond anger or emotion, and then... Observing the effect of emotion, right? So, um, I guess my main encouragement would be to trust the awareness that you're developing. That this is a slow process for almost all of us, and that the awareness, the mindful awareness, has the capacity 
to strengthen all of it over time. And this is part of the learning process. It's not a mistake. It's not a personal feeling. It's not a backsliding. It's seeing more and more and more. And, and to really trust that. And, you know, really, it's just a thought that you had that you would be able to not get angry. That was just a thought. <laughs> you know? And, oh, that someone sound, you know, it was very seductive. That was a, you know, oh, yeah, I like that thought. I want, you know, that's what happens. We have thoughts that we like, and then we're like, oh, yeah, I'm, and, you know, we're duped. <laughs> because, you know, it's, because our conditions are always changing. You know, it's always changing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, great, Grace. Do you mind? Um... Um, since I've been practicing meditation, um, I did become a little more present with my with daily life. Like I enjoy looking at clouds more or just listening to the sounds as they are more. Um, so as I go my day, um, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm a little more present, so I'm really happy about that. But in the evening, when I'm trying to go to sleep, it just all these thoughts just come back. When I just thought I had a great day, <laughs> and then... Uh, so I have a hard time going to sleep sometimes. I get, I have bad dreams, and I kind of know where they're coming from. Um, and I've had some therapy, and I may have to be in therapy more. <laughs> but I guess my question is, you know, I'm trying to deal with this kindness, and you know, toward me and others. But how do you forgive people who have? abused you Hmm. emotionally and physically yeah I'm sorry the family yeah I'm sorry Grace yeah yeah I uh, the first thing I would say is forgiveness is a process it's a long process I feel like I have to do this like the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, and that's okay. And maybe may having them as part of family is yeah. a constant reminder. And yeah, I have you know um, told them how I'm feeling, but just um, you know they don't think it's so really their fault or anything. So I know I can't change their thinking. I can only change myself. Right. Okay. For, um, I have found uh, Jack Cornfield. Do you know who he is? No. He's a no. Dharma teacher and also a psychologist, and he has mm-hmm. a lot of uh, YouTube videos. Jack Cornfield. Okay. Forgiveness. Those, mm-hmm. those. Th- K-O-R-N. K-O-R-N. Field, okay. F-I-E-L-D. So, um, 
He has some wonderful YouTube videos, and he also has a book, a little small little book that's like loving kindness, um, forgiveness. I don't know. There's three words. The and, art of loving kindness, forgiveness, and peace. Yeah, it's a great, yeah, really okay. great. It's lovely little book. Okay, I can look it up. Yeah, each I, time I do something, you know, to help, I feel like, oh, I think I finally got hold of it. I got it. And then, you know, it just comes back. This was frustrating. Well, um, Don, I'll let Don, you want to add anything? Um, only that um, to recognize even that the wish to forgive is a really beautiful wish to be having. It's a really, that itself is the first step of forgiveness. And, um, it's not totally clear from the way you're talking, but of course to keep yourself safe, right? Forgiving in the midst of ongoing harm oh, well, isn't I mean, appropriate, right? I don't so. feel unsafe right now. It just yeah. what happened before when I was, yeah. um, I guess, child. Right. So to even yeah. hold that child and help that mm-hmm. child feel safe mm-hmm. in your own heart. But, uh, second to what Tanya said, um, some of Jack Cornfield's work is really beautiful on this. And um, it's on your timeline, as is good for your heart. And, you know, when it's right, you can experiment, Grace, with this technique that we did with mm-hmm. your own thoughts about your history, your memories. They're thoughts, too. You know, you don't, like, they can, can you give space and let them kind of move through the sky and just sort of shift Mm -hmm. your awareness? You don't have to get rid of them. You can play around with some of this. Try different ways of kind of responding to those thoughts when they come up. And one of them might be just like, yes, I remember, I see you, I bow to you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. You know, just like that kind of like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So instead of trying and, to fight it, just succumb to yeah, it. Yeah, and, and just like, you know, a bow of like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm right here right now. Mm-hmm. I'm right here right now, and it's really safe, and I'm now however old I am, and it's, you know, I survived. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So we're going into a second little talk about working with thinking, working with thoughts. And... um, and Tanya was just talking about, even when working with really challenging material, there's such a benefit to finding a little bit of space. So there's a, a visualization. I think um, Gil Fronstel is the first person I've heard give this, but I've heard other teachers give it, so I'm not sure where it came from. But it's um, kind of like imagining yourself on a riverbank. This is a big river, like maybe the Mississippi River or another large river. And there are different kinds of boats going down the river. Showboat, 
That's one kind of thinking, right? Like a, maybe a casino boat where there's always a party going on. Or the love boat where there's love, romance. And each of these signifies a different whole realm of thought. Right? So the way mindful awareness works is it keeps us on the bank of the river, able to have healthy distance from whatever those thoughts are as they go down the river. And the way our minds work, we can be transported like that onto one of these boats, maybe without having even realized it. So maybe you're just sitting on the bank, meditating, minding your own business, and a warship goes by. Anger, resentment, battle. Next thing you know, you've been on that boat for who knows how long. But the minute you wake up, you're back on the bank. And the boat goes on. There's all different kinds of little realities that seem huge when we're on them. And mindful awareness can pop us back off the shore, off to the shore. So that's the observer perspective, the knowing perspective, to be able to look at these different boats going by. Some of them can be, I mean, speaking from earlier in my own practice, there's the poor me vote, right? Which is like this decrepit, awful little canoe thing. Next thing I know, I'm like half a mile down the river in that thing, right? Poof, mindful awareness back on the shore. So to recognize the process that these just keep going and they are as substantial and immersive as we sort of allow them to be. We get sucked into them and they kind of become reality for a little while. But then, poof, back out on the shore. They're just another boat moving along on the horizon. Just another cloud in the sky. That's all they need to be. So learning to stand in the place of the kind of observer perspective, the awareness perspective, the knowing, that's a skill any of us can develop. And it takes time. It takes time to kind of build the muscle, build the habit of popping out of these very kind of authoritative kinds of movies sometimes in our minds, right? all kinds of things, as we've been talking about, kind of fuel our thinking. Emotions, past or present. Physical sensations. The interest in the thought itself. The really big one, the identification with the thought itself. Or, I'm like this, or this means I am, blah, blah, blah. That's a big hook. Very sticky. It can be quite a feedback loop, right? The stickiness, psychologist and um, Dharma teacher Rick Hansen talks about um, that stickiness of thoughts being like Velcro. Our minds just get kind of stuck to a thought. 
I'm sorry, no, yeah, like Velcro. But then as mindfulness gets stronger and stronger, it becomes more like a bead of water going along a leaf or along Teflon. It can just flow through, just flow by. And this is powerful, right? Just to notice the difference. Notice the difference and trust that that will build over time, this capacity. Thoughts are kind of insubstantial, right? They're flits, they weigh less than nothing. So, Tanya talked about different kinds and modalities of thoughts earlier, like visual or that narrator. We've all got a narrator. Um, Movies. Some people even have sort of a certain kind of thinking that appears as a feeling of movement or um, expression in their bodies. Kinesthetic thinking. Concepts, words. And then there's the different processes, planning, remembering, fantasizing. Those, those can be helpful to name. And then the Buddha made one other distinction that I found really helpful. I have found really helpful in my practice. I still find it helpful. Which is to simply notice when one of those showboats is increasing affliction or suffering, or if it's decreasing it, right? How is this thought making the body feel? What's the effect of this thought on the emotions I'm having that are arising right now? But to notice that impact. It can get to the point where even just experiencing an afflictive, oh, kind of feeling is a clue that there is a thought that's not so helpful happening. You can follow it like a breadcrumb trail. So to notice what increases suffering and what helps suffering decrease in thinking. It's a very simple heuristic, very simple toggle. We don't have to do anything. It takes time And often our systems need to be exposed to the different kinds of thinking and the different effects of thinking. But for most people, most of the time, this learning process, if it's done with mindful awareness, with that inner posture of kindness, allowing, it will, the system will heal itself, it will right itself over time. To be patient with it just by noticing what's helpful, what's not. Thinking arising, sometimes that's just huge. When I first started practicing, I realized that my entire life I had been living as if through a television screen or kind of like a virtual reality engine of my thoughts. And I remember sitting, I I used to sit in front of a window, I started in Zen so my eyes were open, And there was this filmy kind of curtain that was between me and the outside. And one day I realized that those thoughts were like that filmy curtain. They were kind of partially obscuring reality every minute. So notice when the curtain's there and when the curtain's not. It's like Tanya said, there's space in between the thoughts for most of us. We can make it, sometimes it's just there. 
So are you guys ready to meditate again? And settle in. Settle your posture. Finding a sense of balance in your posture. Maybe weaving back and forth, up and down a little bit until you feel a sense of of balance in the body. You're noticing too the inner posture. What's the relationship right now in your mind and heart? Just acknowledging that, whatever it is, whatever attitude is there. And settling in on whatever anchor of attention works best for you. Coming home to the body, the breath, sound, and resting. Inviting, privileging perhaps, the experience of any thoughts that arise. Just noticing. First, just noticing that they're there. Returning to the sensations of breathing, body, this moment. tuning in perhaps to what kind of thinking is arising. Commentary, planning, remembering, whatever it is, perhaps giving a soft, gentle label. And if it subsides, stepping back to the riverbank, returning to the body and breath, the observing faculty. Resting in the body, breathing.
if the mind is pulled into a boat of thinking, noticing, appreciating the arising of awareness, mindfulness, savoring returning here, If thinking arises, noticing, is this a new thought or a repeat? Returning to body, breath, this moment, this sound. Stepping back and allowing space. Space between the observing in the process of thinking, flowing down the river.
And as this short meditation begins to draw to a close, taking a moment to notice the relationship. How is the attitude of the heart and mind with what's been observed? Just notice. It's all okay. Have a few minutes for questions, comments. We'd love to hear how how you're kind of taking all this in, what you're noticing. Please. Thank you, Don. I have a question regarding you mentioned the film in front and that it can be pulled away, or at least I would like to be able to pull it away. It's just sometimes I find that the reassurance that I seek is outward. So I'd like to be able to do that for myself in, inward. Do you have any tips as to what I can say? Because I, I have found myself, you know, stopping myself from, okay, don't, you don't have to share, you don't have to tell, you don't call your sister right now to tell her what's going on, you could figure it out. And then I still do, and then I, anything would help. Yeah, thank you for the question. So I, I, I want to understand more about the relationship between the film and the reaching outward for assurance. Can you say just a couple more words about that? I, I noticed that when I think or whenever a problem arises that I allow myself to be consumed by it and and then I'll try to distract myself and get busy with work or whatever and then it still persists in the back of my mind and then for a time I'll forget it but I'll but it's there and I I just know it's there and Uh, I so that's the film yeah. In, in a sense, and I just, um, I would like to be a better companion for myself. I heard someone say that. Yeah. But I, I often just call, you know, seek it from someone else, and mm-hmm. I would like to be there, there for them without always having, you know, I just, mm-hmm. I don't want to always have to do that to my sister, so. Yeah. It's a really, you're asking a powerful question. Really powerful question. So, um, I don't know if it's exactly a tip, 
But this process of turning towards your own experience that you're talking about is building that muscle, that capacity. And um, for myself, the process of recognizing the film of whatever sort of subconscious, half-distracted story or, or thoughts or anxiety is going on was a really key part of the process of like turning towards that with loving attention and just sitting with it for a while, offering that care. In that way, mindful awareness is a lot like love. It's undivided attention, right? Undivided attention. Sometimes it can be helpful to just kind of rest your hand on your heart, hand on your belly, One of my teachers used to model just like doing this self-talk of, oh, it's okay, it's all right, I'm here for you. And that too is a way of beginning to cultivate that compassionate companioning you're talking about. How does that sound so far to what you're you're asking? I I try to to do that like, uh, may I be, you know, happy, safe, at peace, experience whatever that stuff but um i suppose i could do that on the on the daily i do find myself saying you know it's okay don't worry about it just like let it go but then i I still dwell on it that's my problem i do like to ruminate a lot Mm -hmm. and that's a that's a sticky that's a sticky thought that i wish turned to teflon but i think i i'm recognizing it now more so than i have in the past so uh, just continuing. Yeah, I think the the way that you talk to yourself is really important. And I saw Tanya turn on the mic, so I think you have something to add here. So, uh, yeah. Have you ever tried to do a uh, writing exercise where you do an inner dialogue? Like, yeah, so, for example, because it sounds like... Um, you're getting upset about something and you, you're telling yourself, it's okay, it's okay, but it's kind of like telling a little kid that is upset about something that it's okay, it's okay. And the little kid just feels a little bit like brushed to the side. Does that resonate? So um, it's a little bit hard sometimes to get this feeling of how to relate to ourselves. So one way can be to like have a like you know oh for me it's like oh the part of me um that feels hurt my hurt part says this and i write out what the hurt part would say i let it say in a sentence or a paragraph whatever it wants to say this is not fair kids are really mean whatever it is okay and then there's another part in me like a compassionate self or a wise self or, uh, you know, a good friend, what I would be if I was talking to my other friend, this is what I would say to her. So let me say this back to myself. And then let the hurt part hear that and then respond. And then let the, you know, good friend part hear and respond. So to help you practice how to have this and create this inner exchange, right? I think it's hard to start to 
tease apart our parts. <laughs> and so doing it on paper can be helpful because then it's like, oh, you know, oh, yeah, I'm I'm actually really hurt and frustrated. Oh, look, I'm resentful. Oh, I, I'd stomp my feet right now if I could, you know, and sort of there's a, a way of letting that be named and seen and say, okay, okay, well, what, what do I need? What does that part of me need right now? What would be helpful? Like, yeah, that was rude, <laughs> you know, or, you know, well, maybe we're overreacting right now, you know, whatever it is that we need to say to ourselves. So... But mostly it's like helping tease apart the parts. Thank you. I think it's time for us to close, huh? Yeah, it is. So, you know, if anybody has any comments or questions after we... We'll just try and formally close on time and then feel free to come up. But um, I'll start by with two announcements. Um, You've got your handouts, which have your homework outlined on them, okay? But um, this Saturday, this coming Saturday in a couple of days, Don and another teacher are offering a day-long retreat called the Seven Factors of Awakening. So it's a really nice opportunity to come and practice back-to-back meditation with instructions and support and a community. And then next Saturday, the 4th, Bruni Davila, who's another teacher here, is um, doing an introduction to mindfulness meditation day-long retreat from um, 9 to 4.30. So two opportunities, which, you know, we don't have that many day-longs these days. We're trying to have more of them, but really great opportunities. You can come for half the day if you, you know, don't have the whole time. You can bring your lunch um, meet people like I don't know what you're going to do sometimes the teachers will you can talk outside it's kind of one of one of the things we've been doing with COVID is to let people talk outside during the lunch otherwise it used to be that it would be silent all day but because we don't get much chance to interact that might be possible so anyway it's a, just I want to encourage if you have any interest at all and you're free um, to try, try it's really supportive, and it can take your practice to another level. Mm-hmm. So, I'll let you read your handouts for your homework. Just keep practicing. That's really the most important thing. Every day, even if it's for five minutes, it makes a big difference. You know, it really, really helps to take the time. So may this class, may our time together, may be what you may what you each shared be fruitful and beneficial, not just for yourselves, but for anybody who listens to the class, who was was watching with us on YouTube, and and for yourself and each other when you go out into the world. May may this be a benefit for all beings everywhere, without exception. Thank you for your practice. <laughs>